Hello, and welcome to the Mother Earth News and Friends podcast. In this episode, sponsored by Purina, Dr. Patrick Biggs joins editor Jessica Mitchell to talk about keeping mixed flocks. Learn safe and effective ways to keep chickens, ducks, geese, and turkeys together. Oh my. Enjoy this episode. Purina knows that every milestone with your backyard flock is worth celebrating. When your birds are ready to transition to layer feed, Purina has you covered with their selection of complete layer feeds that include all the essential nutrients laying hens need to lay strong and stay strong. Purina's premium layer feeds contain the exclusive Purina Oyster Strong system that gives your poultry a balanced supply of calcium through a blend of oyster shell, vitamin D, and manganese. Visit www.purinamills.com to get tips on transitioning to layer feed and to find a retailer near you. Thank you again for joining us today, Patrick. We're going to be talking about raising a mixed flock in your backyard. For those listeners who may not have listened to the previous episodes we've done with Patrick, feel free to go back and listen to those. We've done episodes on preparing for chicks which is all about the things you need to get ready before your chicks arrive and prepare to care for baby chicks, which is all about the baby chicks first few weeks that you have them. So today we're going to be talking about mixed flock beyond chickens. What does it look like to have chickens and ducks or turkeys or something like that in with your flock? And so thank you so much for joining us to talk about that, Patrick, before we begin, How about you give a quick introduction of yourself, and then we'll get into the questions. Patrick Biggs. I'm with Purina Animal Nutrition. I've been with Purina now for a little over seven years, senior flock nutritionist, do all the formulation and kind of customer training for our backyard flock business. And that includes game birds and waterfowl and pretty much anything with feathers. Been in and around the commercial poultry business for probably about the last 20 years now. Well, we're happy to have you again. So the first couple questions that I want to ask about mixed flock is really what does a mixed flock look like and why would someone consider keeping one? Well, I mean, a mixed flock is really, I mean, it's kind of open to everyone's interpretation. It's really, you know, starting with chickens. Most people are probably going to start with chickens and then they might branch out. And so a mixed flock could have ducks, it could have geese, turkeys, game birds, any of those things. Um, And and it may be even so much a mixed flock could be just flock of males and females, lots of different things. There are some challenges that we have to work with when we start getting mixed flocks, making sure that everybody gets the right nutrition, because although they are all birds, they don't all have the same nutrient requirements. And so unfortunately, feeding everyone the same feed is not always a great option. Making sure that, you know, the turkeys are getting their right feed, the quail might be getting their feed, what do the ducks need, what do the chickens need, and then the females lay eggs and the males don't really makes this more complicated. I know with like, you know, with many other animals like dogs and cats, we can kind of have an all life stages feed. And fortunately, that just doesn't work with birds because the egg requirement is, you know, the calcium need for laying eggs, making eggshells is very specific to the females in there. And so feeding a high calcium diet to males of birds can actually be very detrimental to his overall health and really shorten his lifespan. If someone wants to keep a mixed flock is a lot of times that because they want to have more functions with the flock, like meat and eggs or something like that. 
I feel it's more of they just want the variety. You know, I think a lot of people will start with chickens because chickens are kind of they're very easy, they're readily available, and you know they develop that level of comfort with raising the birds, and they realize I can actually keep these birds alive. And then you know they're going to the stores and they see you know the various varieties of chickens that they have, and then there might be some turkey poults there. Ducks are always adorable to watch waddle around and quack and swim, and they get that level of comfort with raising these birds. Well, now I want to try my hand at maybe raising a few ducks. And maybe I want a turkey, you know, maybe I want to grow my own turkey for Thanksgiving or decide that's where I start growing him for Thanksgiving, but then I'm attached to him and now he's no longer my Thanksgiving turkey. Now he's just the turkey that I have wandering around in my backyard, you know, watching, they all have their own unique personalities. They kind of all behave differently, especially if you're in it for kind of just the personalities and kind of that emotional attachment to the birds having that wide variety is certainly going to give you something to enjoy because especially with like the game birds, pheasants and quail, they're going to behave quite differently than what the chickens and the ducks are going to be. So there's lots of different reasons. There's different colored eggs, there's different sizes. Some of them, maybe you are raising birds specifically for meat and eggs. So there's lots of different reasons for kind of having a mixed flock. Now, you had mentioned a couple uh, potential challenges or things to keep in mind briefly about having a mixed flock. What are some other strengths and challenges that come with keeping different types of birds or different sexes of birds? So the biggest challenge that you're going to have is making sure that everyone gets the right nutrition because chickens are are very prolific egg layers. So especially with the females, they're going to need that high level of calcium in their diet. You know, most layer feeds are probably around three and a half percent calcium. And that's in order to keep enough calcium in that hen's diet so that she can lay an egg every day for a few years. Most duck breeds aren't as prolific at egg laying, so they don't need as high of calcium in their diet. You're going to find a lot of Game bird feeds are going to be similar because those birds just aren't designed and intended to lay eggs as continuously as what chickens are being asked to lay eggs. So the calcium content of game bird feeds, duck feeds tend to be a little lower in that two and a half to 3% range, just because they don't lay as many eggs. You know, they're more seasonal Indian runner ducks or just runner ducks are going to be your most prolific egg producing duck breed. So those you might want to look at maybe a little more calcium in their diet. Caternix quail are very prolific at laying eggs. They're going to lay quite a few eggs, but they're obviously very small. Your heavier breeds of ducks, they're not going to lay as many eggs. Turkeys certainly don't lay very many eggs. Game birds, obviously pheasants, quail don't lay a lot of eggs. And, And certainly they're more seasonal. You know, with chickens, we can feed a layer feed to the hens kind of almost year round because we expect those birds to lay eggs almost continuously. Ducks, geese, game birds, pheasants, peafowl, guinea hens aren't going to lay that. It gets a little more complicated because you're going to feed a layer feed kind of maybe in the spring, starting maybe March, April, and you might feed it for a few months. And once egg production stops, you need to move them off of that high calcium feed and back to a lower calcium feed similar to probably what you would be feeding the males in the flock if you do have male birds in there. Even more so with game birds, especially with like quail and pheasants, we don't want them to gain a lot of weight, especially in the winter months when feed intake starts to come up as they're starting to eat more just to generate more body heat. We actually move them to more of a maintenance feed, which is a really low 
protein feed or not a nutrient dense feed so that as they do eat more, they don't gain a lot of weight because when you've got a bird that only weighs eight or 10 ounces, an ounce or two of weight gain is actually a significant portion of that body weight. So, you know, we, we move them to a maintenance diet during those colder months. And then as it starts to warm up again, we move them back to kind of a regular feed with Purina. It would be our flight conditioner feed would be kind of something that we move them to. And then, you know, you got to assume about four weeks before they start laying eggs, then you got to start moving them onto a layer feed and providing that extra calcium for the females to get the calcium that they need to lay eggs. With game birds in particular, it's more complicated because you do have to manage the feeds, there's three or four diets that you're probably going to transition those birds through a period of time. Whereas with chickens, it's going to be kind of one feed all the way through for the majority of their life once they get that laying stage. Ducks, with our Purina duck feed, designed that to be kind of a most life stages feed, if you will. You know, you could feed that from hatch through, you know, the majority of the life of that bird. When it gets to egg laying time, our recommendation, if you're going to stick with that duck feed product, is to provide a supplemental feeder with oyster shell in it to let them kind of regulate the amount of calcium that they need during that period of egg production. And then when the egg laying period is over, they will pretty much ignore that oyster shell and just eat the regular feed. So, you know, it, it gets complicated. And then, you know, the nutrient requirements of those birds, ducks and geese, the larger birds tend to have a little higher protein requirement than what laying ducks do. There's a lot that goes into kind of making sure that you're feeding all of those birds the right things when it comes to a nutrition standpoint. And then the other thing that you really have to watch out with as you get mixed flocks is how all of those birds are going to interact with each other. In particular, the one thing that I would probably highlight most is going to be with male ducks. Male ducks can be quite amorous. And they don't necessarily distinguish between what's a duck and what isn't a duck. Uh, <laughs> and so oftentimes we will find that a male duck will try and mate with the female chickens. Unfortunately, the body parts don't quite match up well. And if your male duck is trying to mate with your chickens, he can actually do a fair amount of damage to those hens and actually kind of, you know, do enough damage where he might actually kill those chickens as he's trying to mate with them. If you do have an overly amorous duck who just doesn't discriminate, then you may have to take steps to keep him separated from the chickens so that he uh, doesn't cause any unnecessary damage to them. Yeah, always good to keep those chickens safe. <laughs> right. Are there any other benefits beyond diversity of birds and the things that they produce that you wanted to add about keeping a mixed flock? Keeping a mixed flock, I, I don't know that there's any real benefits to that, especially to the various birds that you might have in your group, the benefit is going to be more so just to the, the human side of the equation, just because you're going to have a variety of animals you're going to have. You get to enjoy kind of the different sizes, the different personalities and that. I don't know that there's necessarily a benefit to the birds themselves of housing all of those different species together. Mm -hmm. All right. Purina's variety of layer feeds will keep your hens happy and healthy and producing beautiful fresh eggs. Purina Leanna layer feed comes in both pellets and crumbles, so you can choose based on what works best for your flock. Want more omegas? Purina Leanna omega-3 feed includes all the nutrients your hens need with added omega-3. 
Or maybe you prefer an organic option. Purina layer pellets and crumbles are available in an organic option that has the same balanced and complete diet with 16% protein that your hens need. For more information, visit www.purinamills.com and use the Feed Finder selection tool to find the best feed for your flock. Well, let's get into the details of raising a mixed flock and maybe some of those practical things to remember that come into play. So we talked a little bit about feed, but what other types of factors do you need to plan for in order to successfully keep different kinds of birds together? Right. So there are some subtle differences in how you're going to manage those birds, kind of where they like to sleep, where they like to lay eggs, what they like to do during the day, particularly with ducks and geese, there's a water aspect to this. So if you want your birds, your ducks and geese to have access to maybe a a pool or a pond, they're certainly going to enjoy it. However, it's not necessary for ducks and geese to have access to a body of water to swim in. They will do just fine without that in their life. You know, if you have a pond and you're comfortable with the birds wandering out into the pond and then, you know, obviously coming back, that's something that you can do. Just realize maybe the first few times you may also need a boat, a canoe, a kayak, something, or just be a good swimmer. You may have to go out and retrieve those ducks as they wander out for the first few times and make sure that they actually come back to you. If you're going to use plastic kids swimming pools or water troughs, ducks, they're going to get in it. They're going to play in it. They're going to bathe in it. They're going to do whatever, but they're going to make that water pretty gross, pretty fast. So you're going to have to replace that water fairly regularly, almost daily. White feathered ducks, if you leave them in that dirty, disgusting water, they are not going to be white colored ducks for very long. (laughs) They're going to be a, a dirty brown, yellow and not as pleasant as they might look. Those are some things to think about with ducks. You know, their watering needs to be a little different. You know, they, ducks actually clean their faces, clean their eyes by sticking their heads in the water and shaking it around. So, you know, they do a lot better if we provide them with a pan that's deep enough for them to actually dip their whole head in the water and clean it off. If we don't do that, they get bacterial infections and they can get some problems around their eyes and that can lead to some other issues. Chickens tend to be, you know, they like to move up into the trees. They're more vertical. They like to build nests and lay their eggs kind of off the ground. So we tend to elevate those things. Whereas the rest of these birds tend to be more ground birds. They like the ducks, geese, wild birds tend to lay their eggs on the ground. They don't go as vertical with that. Those are some things to think about as you're doing it. Ducks tend to be destructive just because their feet are very large. So if you have a nice grassy area that you want those birds to go in, there's a good chance that they are going to destroy that grassy area and turn it into kind of a muddy mess. They kind of walk around and smash everything down. You know, you're gonna need a little more space for turkeys just because they are a larger animal. They do look very intimidating because they are a very, that's a very large beak, especially on some of those male birds, but you're gonna find for the most part, those turkeys are actually almost like puppy dogs. They're very docile. If you spend enough time with them, they will recognize you, become friendly with you. And, you know, you shouldn't have anything to worry about, but they are pretty intimidating bird. You get a 40, 50 pound Tom in there and uh, he can be pretty intimidating when you're coming up to him. One of the questions that I was wondering too, was about protection. So depending on who's in your mixed flock, 
what types of things to consider in terms of protecting different kinds of birds or well maybe there will be birds in that mixed flock who can help you with predator protection predator protection is going to be an issue um the rooster it obviously is going to protect the hens majority of the male birds are going to be your protectors in the flock geese are probably going to be your biggest deterrence for any predators that come in the area geese are pretty dominant when it comes to uh, predators coming in there. They're not really scared of a whole lot of things. They will charge at just about anything. So uh, ducks aren't going to fly a whole lot. You know, the majority of the ducks that you're going to raise in your backyard setting, especially the larger ducks, you know, the backyard ducks aren't really big flying ducks. Some of the smaller breeds, the ones that only weigh a few pounds are going to be a little more flighty and you may have to do some wing trimming to kind of keep them grounded. But for the most part, Pekin ducks and wren ducks, kind of all the fancier other ducks, those ducks that are probably in that eight to 10 to 12 pound range aren't actually going to do a whole lot of flying. So they're a little more susceptible to things like coyotes and those larger and wild dogs. So you have to be careful with that. And even the male ducks, they're not as aggressive doing that. So it's going to be a lot of kind of waddling and running away from those things and trying to hide from them. So you do have to be a little more careful with ducks when it comes to letting them free range and kind of worrying about predation. The game birds are going to be fairly flighty. And because all of these birds are a prey species, the game birds are still a little on the wild side. So their natural coloring and instincts are going to keep them more protected than what some of the other birds, they're not going to go out into the open as much as possible. So pheasants, quails, chuckers, those birds are going to spend more time kind of in the brush in the tall grass and just staying hidden. You do have that advantage. So if you are going to have those birds having an area that does have, that would be more, I guess, similar to what they would encounter in the wild, having those taller grasses and bushes where they can hide in is certainly going to be a benefit to those birds. And I know you talk in detail about the different types of nutrition to put on some of these birds, but I was also thinking about if birds in your mixed flock have different nutrition and even water needs, how do you make sure that all of the birds are going to the right food? Maybe not necessarily water, but especially going to the right food and making sure it doesn't get too mixed and that they're getting the nutrition that's right for them. Right. That's always a challenge when you're raising a mixed flock is trying to ensure that everyone's getting the proper feed. There isn't a real great solution. Probably the best thing you can do is kind of maybe at night when you bring the birds in for them to kind of hunker down for the evening is have them have their own separate station. You know, the chickens go over here, the ducks go over there, your other birds, your turkeys, they can't each have their own pen where you can keep them at night and in the morning so that they can get the proper nutrition kind of in their little housing area. And then during the day, if you want your birds to go out and wander and interact, then you can certainly let them out. Certainly having the right feed kind of in the right feeders and in the right heights for each of those birds and each of them having their own station. You're probably fine too, even though if you do have a mixed flock, as those birds kind of wander out and forage, they're going to stick with their own kind for the most mm -hmm. part. You know, they're, they're, you know, the chickens are going to go off in one area, the ducks off in another area, the turkeys are going to wander off in their own area. They, there's not, they don't necessarily kind of interact a whole lot with that. They kind of, they, they do stick to their own kind. Okay. So that could potentially be a good way to see if you can put 
the food in different areas or in, in their own places of roosting. <laughs> right. And, and two, you may find that your the chickens like to go to this certain part of your house. You know, the ducks are always over here, the geese, you know, so on and so forth. Kind of see where the, the birds kind of congregate throughout the day. And maybe you can, you know, if you want to provide something out there for them, that's, you know, specific to that breed, you can put it kind of in that location. Another thing I was thinking about too was let's say you have several different kinds of birds or even just two, do all of them have unique enough space requirements that you would have to take into account exactly how large that run or free range area should be if they're going to be all out together? Yeah, there's always that because obviously the bigger the bird, the more space that it should probably be provided. And some of that's going to be some trial and error on your part as you kind of get a mixed flock and see kind of how everybody interacts. So if you do see a lot of fighting going on, either within the species or among the species, you may need to look at, do I need to maybe provide a more permanent separation between these different breeds of birds? Or do the chickens need a little more space? Do the turkeys, are they too crowded? You're going to find anytime the birds tend to get stressed, that's when they're they're going to get grumpy and they're going to start picking at each other. Uh, you know, feather picking, just overall aggression, pecking at each other. That's going to be a problem. So typically, you know, crowding is going to be one of those stressors that's in the area. So if you do find your birds are all of a sudden being overly aggressive to each other, and take a look at what's going on in the environment. Is there something there that's upsetting the birds? Chickens and ducks and turkeys are domesticated enough that they're able to deal with lots of extra noises and people being around and things of that nature. But especially when you get into more of the game birds, the pheasants, quail, chuckers, those birds are still a little more on the wild side. So loud noises, strangers in the area can be stressful to those birds. So you're going to have to probably pay a little more attention to the stress level on those game birds than you would maybe say your chickens, ducks, turkeys. Yeah, that's a great point. Are there any species that you know of that definitely don't do well in close proximity together? I don't think so. I just, I, I think they all kind of work together. And like I said, they typically tend to stick with their own kind. I guess you may find that the geese just might be a little more aggressive than some of the other ones. So, you know, a lot of that is just going to have to be, again, it's all some trials and error. It's just like anything. It's, not everybody is created equal. And so some personalities work well with being in a crowd and some don't. So maybe you've got an introverted goose and he just doesn't really want to be around other birds and other, he doesn't want to be bothered by anything. And so like anything, you know, we say these things, you know, the males of the species tend to be more aggressive, but sometimes you're going to get roosters and male birds that are just giant puppy dogs and are as docile as can be. And other times you're going to get ones that you're kind of like, I am going to shoot you. It's always a bit of a trial and error. You never know exactly what you get the personalities when you start raising those birds. So the key thing is to be flexible in your situation and know that they might not always get along and you may have to adjust kind of how you're managing those birds to keep everyone happy. Yeah. And that's a good point too, how it's really not about the species as a whole not getting along well with any other birds, but more about your specific situation and just looking at them individually and seeing if they're doing well together or if they need some space. 
right? And I know a lot of people there you know, Facebook groups and social media groups out there that kind of, you know, you can talk to. And maybe if you need to find a new home for somebody, work with somebody that maybe you can transfer a problem bird to somebody else that might be better suited to deal with that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. In your experience with witnessing or even working yourself with mixed flocks, has there ever been any good examples that you found of, oh, wow, like these birds do really well together in this space or this person has set something up really nicely that seems to work really well for them for the most part i've seen people have areas where you know it's, they do keep the chickens kind of in a specific area the ducks have their own area so i think it's more about kind of having a an area specific to each breed of bird that you're going to have so that they can kind of all congregate and kind of sleep and be comfortable together when they're confined in a smaller space so that you don't have those issues. You know, once you kind of move them out of their coop space, um, getting into a much larger, you know, the territorial issues that might come up with being in your home base are going to be less of a problem. And there's certainly more space for the birds to kind of wander off, kind of roam and do their own thing as well. At Mother Earth News and Friends, we want to deliver quality audio content in a variety of ways. And that's why we created Audio Articles, a new way to tune into our magazines. From each new issue of Grit, Mother Earth News, Backyard Poultry, and Backyard Beekeeping magazines, we produce a selection of recorded articles to share with our listeners at Mother Earth News and Friends. There are a wide variety of topics from pasture maintenance to creating a vertical garden in your apartment. Keep an eye out for episodes titled Audio Article wherever you listen to us. Our next topic within this mixed flock is just talking a little bit about what integrating a new species into your already existing flocks of birds may look like and what you may have to think about thinking about that process. So when thinking about integrating new birds, are there any things that you need to keep in mind, such as a certain population ratio to keep the peace or anything like that? I guess the only real number that kind of comes to mind in terms of a ratio, if you're looking for kind of males to females, I know with chickens, we like to think about it, it's about one rooster for every 10 females. That's going to keep the aggression between roosters down. They're not fighting over which ladies that they're going to breed with. The hens are going to be overly bred because if you have smaller than that, and you've got two or three roosters in there and only five or six chickens, five or six hens, each of those roosters wants to mate with each of those hens. And so you can get a situation where the hens are getting kind of beat up on and overly mated with. So we like to keep that ratio, say about one rooster for every 10 hens is really kind of that ideal ratio. It's a little lower for some of the smaller breeds, pheasants and quail, you can go a little more than one rooster for every maybe six females. In terms of kind of how many chickens, how many ducks, there isn't a good number for, you know, you should have eight ducks for every chicken kind of number. Really what your space allows, how much time you want to devote to these birds. And keep in mind, you know, if you do let these birds kind of free range and forage that, you know, and you want to bring them in at night, obviously the more birds you have, it's the harder it is to keep track of making sure that everybody makes it back into the coop at night. So they're going to be safe for those evening hours. There's no hard and fast rules. It's kind of have to play it by ear and see what works best for the birds that you have, the varieties that you have, and kind of the space that you've provided to them. 
what kinds of conflicts should you might prepare for if you're introducing a new species or maybe just ones in general if birds are out and about? I know you said they stick to their own kind, but are there any times where you might need to keep an eye out if it seems like there might be some conflict brewing? Always just watch them to make sure that everybody's interacting appropriately and no one's being overly aggressive. Mating season, there is a specific one for some of these breeds, the males and the females, especially if they are, and if they're sitting on eggs, you know, they may get a little more defensive about that, especially with the bigger breeds, especially ducks and geese. You're going to find the geese are probably going to be the most aggressive of kind of all of the bird species that we have. And especially during mating season, they're going to be a little on edge during that period. You know, the geese are probably the ones that you're going to have to watch most often. You know, if you are letting your birds hatch out their own eggs, the mother hen in that situation is going to be a little defensive around her clutch of birds that she's caring for. So you know, those are things to watch out for. But for the most part, it's really just kind of during mating and that brooding season that the birds are going to be a little more on edge as they're kind of protecting their ducklings, chicks, whatever it might be. Beyond that, it's just going to be a stress issue. You know, are they too crowded? Are you Maybe you have a chicken who really likes hanging out with the ducks and the ducks don't really like the chicken. So again, it just gets back to the personality of the birds and how everybody interacts. Have you had experiences where there's like a a duck that's just feels like they're better suited to be with the chickens? Oh, we've seen that before. We've had people that they think it's a chicken and it just follows the chickens around. So (laughs) it, it does happen. The ducks will, you know, they may even bond with the human. They may bond with the dogs. You know, I've had friends who have had chickens and even large animals with horses and cattle. And I've had some chickens that will actually wander around. They'll hop up on the back of the cows and just sit on the back of the cows and just hang out up there. (laughs) But unfortunately, you have to be careful with that because the cows don't always appreciate that. And they tend to stomp on things. And unfortunately, that doesn't end too well for the chicken in that situation. But, um, you know, if you have your birds, especially as you kind of getting into a mixed farm situation, not just a mixed bird situation. You do have to be a little more careful as those birds kind of interact with larger animals. A a five pound chicken and a 1600 pound bull doesn't always end well for the uh, chicken in that situation. (laughs) Yeah. And I'm sure some of it is not even out of aggression. Sometimes it's right. They didn't even Um, see it. (laughs) Right. Sometimes it's just a a misplaced foot in an unfortunate wrong place at the wrong time. (laughs) Well, I could probably see if, if we're just dealing with birds that having like a chicken hanging out with the ducks or vice versa or something like that is probably a fair sign that they're all getting along as long as there's no frustration among the birds. Right. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Certainly it is everybody's comfortable around each other, especially if they are kind of interacting with each other and kind of in each other's space and everything is copacetic, then that's a good situation to have. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Now, if we are going to introduce, let's say we got some ducks and we want to introduce them to the same area or vicinity that our chickens are at and kind of start getting them into their routine. Are there any tips that you have for listeners as to how to go about that? Is it really just a matter of setting up the duck's habitat and then just keeping an eye on the two flocks when they're out and about during the day? Or are there any other steps that you would recommend? Yeah, I think if you're going to introduce a new bird to the group, setting up a separate area for them and kind of getting everybody. And 
allowing them to maybe interact and just kind of inspect each other through maybe the safety of a fence, a barrier of some sort where they can still kind of see each other, interact a little bit, you know, that with that fence in there, it kind of prevents anything from getting out of control. It allows the birds to adjust and know that, hey, this new bird is here, you know, this new animal is over here and we can inspect them and see what's going on and then develop a comfort level with that other species there. And hopefully anytime, you know, kind of those first few times that you probably left them all out together and interact, probably a good idea to kind of watch and make sure that there aren't going to be personality conflicts, especially early on. Probably always going to be a little dust up every now and then as maybe somebody gets a little too close for comfort or in somebody's space. But we just want to make sure that somebody isn't being an overt bully in that situation. With these different types of flocks, I'm sure there are probably certain illnesses or issues that one kind of bird may have that's a little unique to other ones or different. Are there any types of diseases that you would have to keep just an eye out for in case it could sweep through not just one flock, but multiple ones? Coccidiosis is going to be the biggest problem with all of these birds. However, the species of coccidiosis are are very specific to birds. So coccidiosis that infects chicken isn't going to affect the ducks or geese or turkeys and so on and so forth. The the species are very specific to those animals. And I mean, coccidiosis can impact every animal. I mean, humans can even get coccidiosis. It's a big problem in cattle and rabbits and so on and so forth. But the species are very specific to each individual animal. So you're not going to get coccidiosis from your chickens. Your dog's not going to get it from chickens, you know, the ducks, the quail, turkeys, so on and so forth. They're, they're very specific to that. But you are going to be, you know, avian influenza is certainly one that you want to be aware of because that can be passed among different bird species. And so with people who do tend to have mixed flocks, they tend to let those birds kind of out and about in a pasture free range type situation than somebody who may just have coop of chickens. Avian influenza certainly comes up. Uh, you know, this year we're having a big outbreak with avian influenza and it's being passed by those migratory birds. So keeping your birds as separated from the wild birds is the best thing that you can do for that. If you do let your birds kind of free range of shelter, there certainly is risk. It's probably pretty low for the backyard setting. You know, a lot of that, maybe take a look at what the migratory patterns of kind of wild ducks and geese are. And if you're in one of those kind of flight paths, be a little more cognizant as you let those birds out and about. But for the most part, it's probably pretty low risk for most people. Now, the last couple of questions I would have really just indicators of if mixed flocks are getting long and mixed flocks are not? And if so, what do you need to do about that? So maybe let's tackle some of the more you know negative thing at first to start. We kind of talked about if flocks are not doing well together, it's going to be pretty apparent. There's probably going to be some conflict and some probably some trial and error. Do they need more space? Things like that. Is there ever a point where you just have to realize that these birds are just not going to get along? And if so, what are some options that you have? Yeah, if you do have birds that are just never going to get along, you're just going to have to take steps to really just keep those birds separated. You know, if you're going to let them out and kind of free range, then, you know, let the chickens out. When you feel that they've had enough time out, then put them back into their coop and then let the next group of birds out, you know, and whatever that might be, they just 
if they're not going to play well together, then you're just going to have to kind of let them out in shifts. You limit that interaction among the birds so that you can reduce that kind of stress um, and those negative behaviors that we just don't want to encourage. And I guess you also mentioned if there's someone that you know in the area who would like to take on some birds, that's right. probably another option. Right. Certainly in, in the more extreme case, if you've just had it with, you know, your ducks are just being awful, then, you know, you may have to look for an option to kind of rehome them um, as well. And then, you know, for some of some people, they may just be like, you know what, ducks are delicious. And I'm just going to have me duck dinner tonight. So, you know, that, you that's go. probably that that's certainly more of an extreme reaction to it but it's not one that hasn't happened before people just decided you know like i'm tired of this rooster crowing so i'm just going to make dinner out of them <laughs> so it does happen it's not the most pleasant thing to think about especially if you think of them as pets but it's certainly a reality of the situation now on the other side of the spectrum when flocks are just doing totally fine i'm guessing really the positive indicators are just all the birds are healthy no major conflict everything's good. I mean, there's nothing to really notice. And, you know, you don't notice that there are those things and that's going to be a, a great situation. You're going to get healthy birds. You're going to get lots of egg production. Everybody's just going to be wandering around. You know, you're not seeing injuries, feather picking, bald spots, so on and so forth. So whatever you're doing, just keep doing it because it's working well for the current situation that you've got. Well, are there any other points that you wanted to bring up about keeping or integrating a mixed flock? I don't think so. I think we covered the majority of things that we, that probably, you know, need to be kind of addressed in this situation. Great. And we'll be sure to link a couple different episodes for our listeners. I'll repeat them again now. So we have episodes with Patrick on preparing for baby chicks and baby chicks first few weeks that could come in handy if someone has a mixed flock and maybe they're starting with very young birds. We also have an episode on poultry fencing that I'll put a link in the show notes for as well. If a listener wants to go a little bit more in depth of how do I actually protect birds, especially if it's a mixed flock, there might be a lot of different considerations to think about. So we'll put those links in there as well. And I think we also have an episode on pasturing geese and ducks. So again, a little bit more specifics if you want to go into the details, especially about building the habitat and the space around your birds. That is it for this episode. Thank you so much, Patrick, for joining us and for sharing all of your expertise. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode about keeping mixed flocks. You can find the links mentioned in this episode and so much more at www.MotherEarthNews.com backslash podcast. Our podcast team includes Carla Tillman and Jessica Mitchell. Music for this episode is Improvisation A by Reverend Gary Davis. The Mother Earth News and Friends podcast is a production of Ogden Publications. Purina knows that the greater the chicken, the greater the eggs. Give your birds greatness with a Purina premium layer feed. Purina's meticulously sourced, carefully crafted layer feeds are made with simple, wholesome ingredients, 16% protein, at least 3.25% calcium, as well as key vitamins and minerals. From pellets to crumbles, Purina has you covered. And while your hens get tasty, nutritious food, you deserve a treat too. Head over to www.purinamills.com to sign up for the Feed Greatness Challenge and receive coupons for up to $6 off Purina Flock Feed. Thanks for listening, and don't forget to love your mother.